Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and add a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. Let me tell you a quick story of how 10-year-old Allison got kicked out of her first vocal rehearsal for copying an attitude. (laughs) So I'd booked a gig for a kids' entertainment group that required all nine cast members to be proficient in acting, singing, and dancing. Two of those I had on lock, but I'd been writing lyrical poetry in my journal since eight years old. However, I definitely couldn't call myself the singer, and I abhorred the prospect of making so much as a peep in public. In fact, at the audition, while other kids were wailing and riffing and boasting interpretations of Ella, Whitney, Celine, I froze during my turn for what felt like an eternity of silence. Intimidation and fear paralyzed me so much that I never made a decision or prepared a piece, hoping I could somehow bypass this part of the process altogether. So what did I sing? Happy birthday. And at the speed of light, of course, because I didn't want anyone to hear me. But somehow I was cast anyway. My theory is because I had several projects out circulating in that season. And unfortunately, unfortunately, resume and momentum often beat merit in Hollywood. Nonetheless, I was now in this super troop of triple threat kids, and I had to go from off key to Alicia Keys in less than three weeks. Cut to our first rehearsal, celebrity vocal coach Nick Cooper walks in. The renowned multi-hyphenate he's worked with and supported artists like Beyonce, Katy Perry, Nicki Minaj, J-Lo, Kesha, Khalid, Rita Ora, Sierra, Jada Pinkett, Smokey Norfolk, Israel Houghton, Mary Mary Halle, Chloe, Jason Derulo, Zendaya, everyone under the sun. And he goes, all right, line up. Now sing. One by one. It was the audition process all over again. And I'm still stung with humiliation, right? So I refused to open my mouth and Nick wouldn't have it. He kicked me out and I wasn't let back in until I was humble and courageous enough to show my stuff, no matter how sour the note or ugly the tone. It was clear that I needed more practice than some of the other kids, and I wasn't used to feeling behind. He told me during our first private lesson that he'd play a C on the piano and I would sing an F. But he remained faithful, patient, and committed to my development because he knew something that I didn't. I thought I was just learning to sing, but Nick was actually teaching me how to find my voice and place in the world. You know, sometimes I think a lot of us feel like we never have the right words or it comes out wrong. And and are we using our full voices, all notes that we can make and intentions we can share? Um, maybe that's why public speaking is one of the hardest things for people to do. But, you know, when people ask Nick what he does for a living— He says he's a garbage man. That is, he helps take out the trash in people's lives. So my twice-weekly lessons in his downtown L.A. studio shaped me more than perhaps any other activity, sport, and pursuit growing up. Because everything happening inside my little heart and mind and soul, everything happening in my household and in school and on set showed up in my voice. There was no way of getting around it or hiding it. He demanded honesty And I cried, kicked, screamed, and nearly quit almost every lesson for multiple years 
when really music was healing me and I just had a lot of open wounds and scars from my young age and small frame. So I dedicate this episode on finding your voice to Nick Cooper. Um, Now today I have a glorious treat for your ears. It's our first ever musical episode featuring one of my favorite voices and artists on the planet, India Carney. Let me tease your ears with the impending Nirvana. Check this out. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away I to love me better The wildest part? These sounds are just one woman in an average room with no professional equipment singing into headphone mic, no effects, tuning, doctoring, EQing, just pure melody. Originally from Brooklyn, India Carney relocated to L.A. after graduating from UCLA with a degree in music performance. She sings with Katy Perry and various other artists in the industry and has a successful career as a session singer for film, TV, independent studios, etc. She was on NBC's The Voice and has an extensive background in acapella and vocal arranging. This year, she is stepping into her solo career, a move sure to shake the world. And today, we will not only be serenaded by her holy vocal cords, but also explore the myriad metaphors of singing and how we can learn to recognize our voice and fully utilize it. And maybe even add a little more harmony to the human symphony by the end of this episode. India, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. That was an amazing intro. Mm. I love the story. I find even with my students how impactful voice lessons can be. Yeah. It's like one of the most intimate, I think, art forms, singing. Mm. So singing is an extension of speaking Mm -hmm. and communicating one's personality and worldview. It's equally mathematical and technical as it is vulnerable and spontaneous. Um, A song can be confessional. Uh, A melody can be vilifying one chord sort of enkindling immediate catharsis um, for listeners and singers and then you think the pitch of every note holds a corresponding frequency it's a certain speed of vibration sound waves which is clear and stable enough for our ears to distinguish that from random noise Um, but pitch is actually psychoacoustical and that means each of us perceives and processes the note slightly uniquely. Um, Within our ears, it's transformed into neural action potentials. And then, you know, this is seen in the use of things like music therapy um, and healing modalities like sound baths. There are physical, emotional, mental, social, aesthetic, and spiritual responses to the sound. Um, And they affect 
our cognitive, motor, social, sensory, you know, orientational um, functions. So for you, India, at what moment did you discover your voice as an instrument and tool? And, and how did you start singing? I'm from Brooklyn, like mm-hmm. you had mentioned earlier. I joined my church choir, community choirs, productions, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I started learning piano, flute when I was around like four. So I was very involved in music at a young age. And then I was nine playing Annie in a community production of Annie. Oh, wow. Yeah, girl. They spray painted my hair orange, red orange. <sighs> I started in musical theater and looking back, I can see the obvious impact that it had Mm. on my singing, storytelling, all that kind of stuff. But really, it wasn't until maybe three years ago, 2016, when I just came into my voice a lot more, understood it as as an instrument and a tool. It was definitely with thanks to the voice because there's no time to sit and marinate on what's going on. It's just a crash course in learning who you are. in learning about the music industry, all that stuff. So because I had to learn like five new songs a week, I mean, it was a lot of good growth after that, the come down period. Mm. I think I just kind of figured it out on my own, what my sound is. Hmm. So to break down um, the anatomy and physiology of our voices a bit for everyone, it's quite fascinating. Um, As the Voice Foundation explains, there are three vocal subsystems. You have the air pressure system with your diaphragm, chest muscles, ribs, abs, and lungs. You have the vibratory system, which includes your larynx and vocal folds. Then you have the resonating system in your throat, pharynx, oral cavity, and nasal cavities. I'm sharing this with you so you can hopefully be imagining what the inside of your voice looks like as we're talking through today. Your literal voice and your proverbial voice um, the broadcast of who you are to the world. They're both muscles that that must be used to be strengthened, maintained, and balanced. It also means your voice is susceptible to damage and overuse. And as I mentioned during my vocal lessons with Nick, every variable in life, such as lack of confidence, drinking alcohol, smoking, poor posture like I'm doing right now, will affect the quality and health of our voice. Switching over to you, India, you are a professional vocalist. So what kind of training does it require? Well, I'll speak from my training. Generally, music programs have their foundation in classical music. So I had been learning bits and pieces since I was in middle school. High school was was a bit more involved. And then, yeah, and then college, that was was what I studied all day. And when you're training and while on tour or going into a studio session, do you have different methods of preparing? Uh, Yeah, I warm up. A good warm up session is probably around 30, 40 minutes. Wow. That's honestly the main thing because it's like you would never go to the gym not having stretched Mm -hmm. and you can get by, but it's a hit or miss sometimes. So I can't just run around and not warm up. Steaming your throat is really important. You can easily do that in the shower. It's just very important to always be hydrating that area. So let's talk a little bit about vocal mechanics with sound placement, tone, and resonance. What are they and why are they important for all of us, even non-singers, to understand? Well, I think it's important to just understand your voice. And if you want to go deeper, I don't know, it could help you analyze how you come off to people. So the sound placement is more about where the sound is being placed. You've got different registers, your head voice, chest voice mix, your belt, your 
whistle tone even. You can place the sound wherever you want. You can also add texture to the sound. You can add a more nasal tone, um, which then brings your placement a little more forward mm -hmm. towards the front of your face, kind of like in the mask. That's basically your nose and cheekbone area. And as you add more nasal resonance, you've got a brighter sound. So if you've got a brighter sound, you can also have a very dark sound. And then it's interesting how you dial into how that feels to change the placements. Can you improve or change your tone? Tone is interesting because you're kind of born with the tone that you have, but you can make adjustments. Mm -hmm. You can be mindful of when it becomes raspy and maybe how to recreate that in other parts of your range if mm -hmm. you want. Now, on a daily basis, where should we be speaking from? Chest, mid, or head, or I'm guessing not whistle tone? <laughs> so it's important to understand, that's great that you mentioned that, whispering is not good for you. Your vocal folds are like these two little flaps that when healthy, they kind of vibrate together. I encourage you to look it up to see what they look like. And when you're healthily phonating, phonating is just making noise. Um, they're, what is this motion? They're like- I know, you're kind of like undulating together. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're meeting They're meeting and together parting. and parting. Exactly. <laughs> just very nicely and calmly. When you whisper, they're strained and they actually don't meet. And so when they're just almost touching, this strain can cause damage after a while, or it can just cause fatigue. Whatever it is, it's not ideal. Wow. Um, That's such a metaphor as well. Right? Whispering in life and eventually causing more damage internally because you're not speaking up. Which leads us to vocal resonance, and I'll take a stab at defining it. It's basically referring to the volume or amplification and intensification of sound, your vocal richness and quality. And we each have a natural speaking range and singing range, a breadth of pitches that we can phonate. And this is trainable, meaning I started with around two and a half octaves and grew to over four across many years of development. But what happens when we come across a difficult note or a situation in life that seems too high or too low? I know for me, I would close my throat. I would strain and strive to hit the note, holding onto my breath, tensing my body, lifting or lowering my chin, and clutching on. In reality, walking up or down the scale requires releasing tension in the body, letting the breath carry the note. And my coach Nick taught me that you see the note or problem, if we're applying this metaphorically, as more than attainable. And you focus on the support of your diaphragm undergirding you as opposed to using brute force to push yourself there and squeak out the note. What tips or tricks, India, do you use to approach difficult notes and, um, you know, metaphorically everyday roadblocks and fears? Well, you said it great, and I think it's important that you noticed that you were clenching mm -hmm. and that it was too hard and too difficult, and perhaps it hurt. Each voice is their own, its own. Only you know how it feels, only you know when it's strained, and only you know when to stop. And you owe it to yourself when you're singing and in your daily life to know your boundaries. And especially if it's a high note like your example, if it hurts... <laughs> Something's wrong. So when something is wrong, what do you do to adjust? And there are different ways, um, but I think the key word is just adjust and, and don't feel shame in having to. 
even when I dis- decided I wanted to be a singer when I was nine, we were performing at tracks. So you can't really transpose those. And although I had gotten the part, I couldn't hit the C. And that was when I discovered I was an alto. And yeah, there was just no way. I almost lost my part. I was like, why did you guys give me the part? If you know I couldn't hit this out note. Of range. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's totally out of my range and there was nothing I could do about it. Luckily, they figured out how to get a different key that would suit me better. Um, but even with my students, I mean, ranges are all different. The voice matures as you do, so it takes time to overcome those areas. So adjust, and that's when I learned that it's okay to, for example, change the key. Right. Yeah, imagine, because sometimes we're trying so hard to conform to the box when that's not the box we're supposed to be standing in, if ever. Mm -hmm. But man, that's something that I experienced, obviously working in Hollywood as well. It's like, why are you even submitting me for this role? This is not my lane. I can bend, but there's also a tree planted right there that is exactly what you're looking for. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. So let's talk uh, a concept called cathexis. I know I'm super nerdy. Um, <laughs> in psychoanalysis, cathexis is a, a term describing the concentration of mental and emotional energy on one particular person, idea, or object, um, sometimes to an unhealthy degree. And as a performer, you are in some ways a poster child of cathexis, meaning you are hyper-cathecting through music and melody, um, assigning meaning and symbolism and releasing, you know, your ego's repressed desires and documenting the initial in-love attachment and investment phase of a relationship, um, ch- channeling your know, sex drive, depending on what kind of music you're making. Um, and this requires an immense amount of vulnerability. And you, India, do it in front of strangers all the time. What is it like laying bare your soul for others to witness and experience? I would say it's a great opportunity. It's a great privilege to be able to do that. I think when I learned that my frustration, my my fight is not my own, meaning there everybody else is going through the same thing. Mm. So I, I started writing music as an outlet just to get my feelings out. But when I understood that other people are feeling those feelings, it gave me a lot more confidence to share it because perhaps somebody else is going through the same thing. I have a video out of God Forbid, and after it came out, I got so many messages about, you have no idea that this is exactly what I'm going through. Mm. That's why music is so beautiful. Even for the instrumental pieces that have no words, you can still feel emotion through that. Kind of like you were describing earlier. I didn't get into the science side of music, but you were talking about how the pitch, how we process pitches differently. And it's it's definitely a, a neurological event. For everyone listening, when you think of the sound of your own voice, what words come to mind? Have others ever said anything about your voice? How have you taken on these characteristics in your identity? Be careful here not to jump to judgmental terms and, you know, just just search after descriptive words. For example, 
Some musicians are soporific, <laughs> which means their voices induce sleep or drowsiness. I feel like that's sort of Lana Del Rey. Um, great for lullabies. Um, some voices are gravelly. They're hoarse and raspy. Certain voices are lugubrious, which means mournful and dismal and kind of gloomy like Eeyore, or as I feel like India's voice is like mellifluous, pleasant and flowing like honey. Thank you. Um, so have you ever met someone whose speech was like really stiff and almost artificially formal? That could be called stilted. Um, so you can see there's just so many different ways we can, um, we can define ourselves and describe our voices. So spend a minute or so contemplating the sound, maybe ask a supportive person in your life to try and try this exercise with you. And after you can proceed with the rest of the combo here, um, India, I would describe your voice <laughs> as chillingly honest tremulous, and then also pacifying. How do you hear and describe your own voice? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I think I get lost in trying to describe it because in the past it's led me to hating it sometimes. Interesting. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's warm, a warm quality. I think somebody said once that my voice reminded them of like a really warm, big hug. And that oh. was one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. <laughs> That's so kind. Isn't it? Yes, it is. I didn't have to say that. You phonate so well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like discovering one's voice just has so many pieces to it. Um, mm -hmm. And we get to experiment with vocal dynamics and the intensity with which we sing and talk. Um, you know, there are fricatives and, and different ways to pronounce and enunciate words and we can add our riffs and runs and change arrangements. We can use harmony, express vulnerability, use pressure to affect vibration and texture. Um, and there's just so many things that you do with your music that I hear too, like phraseology and the versatility and self-awareness that it requires to navigate your music the way you do. Um, I feel like you just really found your sweet spot, it sounds like, in the last couple of years. And that's like what I strive to find musically, artistically, personally, and then also for my audience that we all leave here going, ooh, we can pay attention to our voices and see how that um, mirrors who we are to the outside world and how we how we treat ourselves. Um, how did you go about finding that truth in your voice. I think I especially understood the urgency of needing to find that because my voice is just so different from everybody else's. And after having been on The Voice, I heard that from everybody. And it was hard to hear all this. It wasn't even constructive criticism most of the time. I know everybody who's reached that level of popularity at the time has to deal with internet trolls and stuff. But the comments were so directed at the technicalities and the makings of my voice that I really did have to question things because it is different from, I think, your typical so? voice. Well, the vibrato, I get that from classical training 100%. And I wasn't convinced that that was something I needed to let go of, though. Hmm. But nowadays, and so I sang kind of every note with vibrato. And that's what I was saying earlier about these different genres being defined by their stylings. A pop song doesn't need vibrato on every note because vibrato is a textural element. It's almost like an embellishment. So perhaps you should pick and choose where you use that. So that was a huge example of, of when I started to figure out what my sound was. But I think 
I think the most important thing that I do with my students is ask them what their strengths are, because then you get to start picking and choosing the parts of your voice that mean something to you and that make you unique, because that's the whole point. The point isn't to sound like somebody else. In fact, you can't sound like somebody else, so you might as well not even try. Just be the best that you can be and focus in on what your strengths are um, and what makes you you so that you can keep going on, down that path. There's that would, literally room for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If we show up authentically. So I want to ask a little bit more about um, the music industry side of things for you because you're getting ready to release your own project. And what has life been like um, pursuing the formal music industry and and why now to focus on your career? Well, <laughs> I've been wanting to do this my whole life, but I have been in school my whole life. So I, I know people drop out of school to pursue their goals, but um, I think I was so focused on finishing that that could come later. So I think why now is just because I have time now. The timeline is different for everybody, and clearly I needed that first 10-plus, 15-plus years to just have fun just having fun. And it's been great. It's been great. I'm so happy to be able to look back on the journey and be grateful for the time I gave myself um, so that now I can really just push things into full gear. And I'm sitting on a bunch of demos. So hopefully we shop the songs around this year now that I have an actual project yeah. and I know what my sound is like and then hope to find somebody who's that interested. How can we support in the meantime? Thank you. I'm on Instagram. That's like my place. Love Instagram mm -hmm. at India underscore Carney. I post everything there. Um, so now I think we're going to have you share some of your original music. Does that sound good? Yes. Cool. Um, we have India here with guitarist Jason Pitts. Some of you may know Jason. We've worked together on my year-end mashups on my YouTube channel and a bunch of videos with Kurt Schneider. So now... Join Beautiful Forces and take it away. I'll let you guide us through. Thank you. Thanks. This one is an original that came out of heartbreak, as usual. Uh, but I tried to take a different perspective on it once I saw that he had moved on and found a new girlfriend. And, of course, I found out on Instagram just scrolling. <sighs> it became more of a, God forbid I ever meet this girl because I don't know how I'm going to feel. Wow. No, I don't know how I'm going to take it. So this one's called God Forbid, and I'm working on a record of mm. it that should come out at some point this year. So. Yes, we'll be looking out. Thanks, girl.
deep in my feelings over here <laughs> yeah it gets like that <laughs> is that recent it feels real fresh it was two years ago man yeah. but still so palpable it's beautiful yeah thank you girl okay so this one is another original called show me which is about the importance of showing your love to your loved ones in a way that they understand
You said it yourself, not your average people. And I agree with that sentiment. We've gone back and forth. A headache I never had before, but still, I'd never take a painkiller. I said I loved you. And when I left you, I was dead. I don't want to forget you. So take me there, take me there, and show me that you, 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 you love me too. Stop wanting you
What a beautiful gift to our ears today. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We're going to get into the mantras. I'm going to repeat the top takeaways from today, and you can use them to boost your mood, change your attitude, and make your moves. I'll I'll say each twice, and then you can uh, come in in the space for the third. First, my purpose is unique, and there's room for everybody. My purpose is unique, and there's room for everybody. Number two, when my body tells me something's wrong, I will adjust. When my body tells me something's wrong, I will adjust. Third, I focus on my strengths and what makes me, me. I focus on my strengths and what makes me, me. And lastly, I appreciate every step of the journey, not just the results. I appreciate every step of the journey, not just the results. So good. I'm going to be listening to this over and over again. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, It was a pleasure to have you here. If everyone listening can just take five seconds to leave a rating and review and show some love, make sure you follow India Carney on all of her socials and check out her EP when it drops. We'll be sure to share it. And um, it's been a blast. We will see you next time for more Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.